Welcome to the Media Mavens podcast, where you'll hear the most compelling, provocative, and real conversations with industry leaders and innovators in tech, sports, and entertainment with our host and CEO of well-known PR firm, Axis Entertainment, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller, CEO of Axis Entertainment and your host for Media Mavens podcast. And I heard Christian Carolis, the GM of Bitcoin Magazine. Hey, Christian, how are you? I'm doing great, Sarah. Excited to be on the show. Excited to talk about Bitcoin. Yeah, me too. So we're going to display everybody's purposes. CK, that's what we're calling you because that's what everybody in the Bitcoin industry calls you. That's right. Like, you know, I'm super excited that you're on the show because I know we've talked to you guys. Everybody knows Bitcoin Magazine. You guys like the prominent magazine in the big fintech space for Bitcoin. You have a tech background. I, I got so many questions. So... Okay, now that you're flashing the Bitcoin cover, I got to ask, why am I not on the list? Of what? Bitcoin I got to get on that Bitcoin magazine list. Oh, hey, you got to subscribe. So uh, you can go to store.bitcoinmagazine.com. But, you know, I'll uh, I'll, I'll sync up with you after this and make sure you get your hands on one. Here's the deal. You do have analytical tech background. You I'm going to start from the beginning here because I have so much I want to talk to you about with Bitcoin in general. But what you did, you found... Did you found? Are you the founder of Bitcoin Magazine? I know you're the general manager. So Bitcoin Magazine was actually founded by a bunch of European Bitcoiners back in 2012. And very early contributor and member of that founding crew, uh, he actually founded Ethereum. The magazine kind of went from hand to hand. It was owned by a group of people in the U.S.-based industry, folks from BitPay, the founder of Litecoin, Charlie Lee, and, uh, and others. And then David Bailey, the CEO of BTC Media, and he owned a publication called Why Bitcoin at the time. Uh, he purchased it. And so, and since then, he's been running it. So he's been uh, running it since 2013, 2014. And then I joined the team actually doing event sales back in 2018. So, February 2018, I joined the team. Bitcoin kind of has these price run ups. So, end of 2017, there's a big price run up, and that's when I quit my job at Reach Analytics at the very top when Bitcoin hit 20k. Uh, that, so all my colleagues. Weird? Is this weird to you that before yeah. Bitcoin became Bitcoin, this magazine was around? Because in the beginning days, everybody was kind of like, "Oh, it's a fad; it's not going to happen." Yeah, <laughs> I'm mad that I didn't get into Bitcoin when it was only 50, 100, 300 bucks a coin because that would have been worth a hell of a lot more money today and everything. So it's so like, like the reality is. We are moving so fast in the future when it comes to fintech and light speed on across the board. Yeah. But I feel like, and let's talk about this because we're all watching the news. Like we all do crypto. I know Bitcoin isn't crypto. Bitcoin, stable coin. We got all that covered. I do have a crypto wallet. I own some Bitcoin, but I've also lost so much money, like eight, nine grand when crypto crashed. So I'm just laying it right out. But like, like talk to me about this because you have, your finger on the pulse of the market right now. And sure. So much Maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, there's so much controversy. Like, you know, Bitcoin's a more stable because it's been around longer. I go back up sure. like anything. And then crypto just completely tank all the scams. That's all. an interesting distinction. Who well, told uh, I guess like what where did that observation? Okay, come so from? this is why I want to talk to you because there's so much misinformation. It's kind of like with the metaverse. There's no sure. clarity. So people hate putting Bitcoin and crypto in the same sentence. To me, it's a digital coin, it's a digital wallet. But I know there's a big difference there. Like, 
talk to me about the difference in your mind between Bitcoin and then crypto, because I want to get some clarity. Sure. Okay, so Sarah, people have been trying to figure out how to create digital cash for a long time. Yeah. So actually since like the 70s. So like when people started to network computers together, you know, the very, very early primitive days of the internet, you know, just connecting one computer to the next that, you know, when they're not in the same, you know, room, the that, that was just networking, <laughs> you know, way before, you know, that, that was like the, what, the late 90s, right? So this is like even before that, right? So even back then, people were talking about how do we create digital cash that is separate from the government? So people have been working on this and coming up with ideas, some of them actually shipping products that get locked, you know, get shut down by the government or by different governments or the US government. So people have been trying to discover a cryptocurrency even before the term cryptocurrency was invented, even before smartphones were widely distributed. So this journey is going on as long as, you know, the internet. And Satoshi Nakamoto was the very first person to pretty much figure out how to make it work. And what he discovered was he combined several different existing proposals together and added in some interesting innovations that he came up with himself to create Bitcoin and the Bitcoin incentive structure. A lot of people in the Bitcoin space think Satoshi Nakamoto deserves a Nobel Peace Prize and pretty much all the awards. They think he deserves all the awards because of like how novel and how important his innovation and his discovery was. But since then, since Satoshi Nakamoto, like pretty much figuring out how to do it and releasing Bitcoin fairly to the world, it is as easy as copy, paste, to make new digital tokens, new digital money, other cryptocurrencies. So the cryptocurrency started with direct copies of Bitcoin with different names, slightly different parameters, like Bitcoin has 21 million coins. So they'd be like, this one has 100 million coins. And, you know, they would change little like kind of parameters around it, rename it. Litecoin's a good example of that. Change the the encryption formula that they use. So like, you know, there's a lot of different encryption formulas. Bitcoin, you know, Satoshi chose one, SHA-256. So they'll just pick a different one. You know, there's, there's like 50 to choose from that all work and they'll just pick a different one. So that was like the first era of like these kind of Bitcoin copycats, you know, again, known as crypto. And then there's the next era of Bitcoin copycats, which is, but with like, it's like a copycat of Bitcoin, but with new features. So that's like the Ethereum's, right? That's the yeah. smart contract platforms. You know, you can put a whole exchange on the directly on the blockchain, things like that. So really what you're seeing is like with Bitcoin's creation is a very novel solution. It was released fairly. A lot of people think like Bitcoin can be the money of the world, right? You do, and, do you believe that? I mean, I know you're you're I mean you're in this space. Mm-hmm. I'm getting so many people yeah. we all know how we all know uh Bitcoin was created on the um by the government on the dark web. And then it just everybody <laughs> has to know that storage. I love the story. Sure. But do you believe, wait, wait. Do you, but do you think as a currency, a digital currency, given yeah. where we are right now, do mm-hmm. you, are you one of those people? I mean, do you believe that we will eventually be in a cashless society where it's nothing but digital? I mean, right now we already live in a digital society. It's yeah. just the distinction is that that digital society requires trust, right? So you can spend money on the internet. It's just your bank has to enable that. Right. It's the adoption of accepting Bitcoin over fiat. Sure. Right. So, but we're we're already digital, right? Yeah. But I'm saying like it's digital, but you have to have a bank. You have to have trust. So, what what Bitcoin does is it enables 
us to have the digital world that we already have right now, but without having to trust everyone, like having to trust an institution, having to trust your government to make sure that the dollar is not inflating, having to trust PayPal that they're going to actually give you your money back, right? It's, it's like there's this uh, famous saying, it's not about the re- the return on your money. It's the return of your money that you should be concerned of. So where's all your value? Is it in your 401k? How do you how do you check on your 401k? You pull uh, up E-Trade or yeah, you pull up but, but whatever kind of brokerage account you have. Isn't point. it digital? What's not digital yeah, about that? I mean, but so we've been where's your a, money? <laughs> we've been in a completely multi platform mobile digital society for a long time. There's still sure, that, yeah. that fear of adoption. Oh, it's a, but it's kind of the stock market, like with crypto. Yeah, we all lost money when it tanked, but like the stock market, it goes up, it goes down. It's just, it's a digital currency. You can't use stock markets to go buy coffee, buy sneakers, or do a lot of stuff. But you, sure. Bitcoin, crypto, you can because everybody's not yeah. accepting it and stuff. It's going to go up, it's going to go down. So this is why I'm going to, I'm not going to grill you on this, but I'm going to kind of, because you are. So Sarah, let me me just tell you a a very important factor about Bitcoin. So the whole point about Bitcoin is that Satoshi created the first digital currency and he gave it a hard cap. He said, there's going to only be 21 million coins. So effectively what he did is he like created like the only known finite thing ever, like you could argue that gold is like one of the more most finite things that we have, but it's very abundant in our soil. People always talk about, oh, we can mine asteroids for more gold. Well, guess what? Like Bitcoin's synthetically finite, right? So the only thing that is required for the, the dollar price of Bitcoin to go up is more people buying, holding, and using it, like users going up. So because it's a fixed number of coins and we're at 0.001% adoption, if not less, global adoption. So, I mean, What's my price prediction? Well, personally, I think more people are going to want to buy Bitcoin because it's digital money that's separate from the government and separate from any institutions that they can hold without trust. I think that that is a feature people want. We saw people in Canada have their bank accounts frozen. We saw Russian oligarchs getting bank accounts frozen. I'm not saying these are good or bad sanctions. You know, I'm just saying that the war on your you owning your value is happening. You know, we saw 40% of US dollars being printed in 2020 and 2021. Who does that affect? The people who hold dollars, right? That affects the dollar holders. So Bitcoin gives you the option to buy something that separates you from that. And I think more people are going to want that in the future. There's only 21 million coins. So I think price is going to go up, obviously, because uh, it's scarcity. But but I want to like kind of get, because I mean, given you do have Bitcoin magazine, you are deep in the space. A lot of people also feel because you are being taxed. You have, unfortunately, on crypto. Because I make a my Coinbase account, I got a tax for it. Well, you, you get taxed on trading specifically yes. and the gains. Yeah, I mean, and I get Bitcoin is a completely separate separate currency in itself, but we do have a very low adoption. It is that's the whole thing with Bitcoin. There's only so much out there. It's just a matter of buying and trading and raising the cost up. What do you think the fear of Bitcoin is to a lot of people because we had a very low adoption globally. What do you think it's going to take to overcome that fear to get people, more people to start purchasing Bitcoin and using it as a transactional currency? Yeah. I mean, people are scared of what they don't understand. Also, people don't know what they don't know. No, they're there. That's what the fear is. But look at the stock market. You can't say I'm going to buy into Apple. It's going to crash, go big. Companies are going to split. If there's still an unknown variable to stocks, Bitcoin. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, and actually, if you really look at Bitcoin, Bitcoin is the most known thing. 
you know exactly what's happening with Bitcoin. You know, there's 21 million coins. You know that you need a valid key to send a transaction and you and there is zero fraud within the system. So but crypto, I mean, I'm going to pivot back and forth. Crypto, sure. Yeah. A lot of indictments coming down of monster billion dollars of fraud from people scamming, which I find interesting that people are so pro crypto and all these major publications of <laughs> billions of dollars of frauds, indictments, jail time of manhunt from FBI. There's crypto groups and stuff going after the fraud. But then Bitcoin is over here. No fraud, total security. There's never been any hacks or attacks on it. So, I mean, it's really important to like make some very important distinctions, right? Bitcoin is a decentralized protocol. So obviously it can't commit fraud. It's just a protocol. There are Bitcoin companies and companies that in, that work with Bitcoin that offer Bitcoin services that have done enormous amounts of frauds. You know, there's a lot of kind of bad things that happen in like, let's just call it the greater ecosystem that interacts with Bitcoin. That's very true with crypto. One of the main issues with crypto, what Satoshi Nakamoto showed people how to do is how to, with Bitcoin, he created, you know, the ultimate scarcity, but he also pretty much showed everyone in the world, hey, this is how you create additional currency. He he gave the blueprint to to creating, to infinite inflation effectively. Anyone can make a coin. Sarah, you can make a coin. There's actually a website that has the parameters to print Sarah coin. You can just put in the parameters and it'll issue a token on any blockchain, you know, any number yeah. of 10 blockchains. So Satoshi effectively gave everyone the formula to create a coin. Here's the problem when someone creates a coin and then markets it. It violates securities regulation in the United States. And that opens up the door for fraud, indictments, for legal action. And then if you're a business that engages with those currencies, those tokens that were issued by someone and promoted by someone who actually printed them, then you're, you're getting into hot water with regulators across the globe. So, I mean, obviously, bad people can do bad things with anything. A bad person can do a bad thing with a car, just like a bad person can do a, can commit fraud with Bitcoin. But when you issue a token and you promote it as for whatever and say you're going to get more value and this thing's going to go up because our team's going to do all these things, you know, historically, comparing that to other securities fraud, you know, when you don't have a token, when it's just some other investment contract, you know, that's where the SEC comes in. So I'm not a lawyer. I'm, I can't, you know, advise whether or not something is against the law. But you're seeing in the crypto space that a lot of people are breaking laws and a lot of people are performing shadow banking and unsecured lending well, and I, misrepresenting I think, that. I think the reason is, and so we've had a few ethical global hackers white hats on the show before. And the more savvy we get with technology and the more innovative we get, the more, the smarter the hackers and people get, there's always going to be bad guys, no matter what, whether it's fiat, crypto is always going to be somebody trying to hack in, break it to steal money. So I do agree with you. It is, it is what it is. More people are going to try to skirt the line. I think the reason why it's happening People just think they're smarter than the technology, but I think it's because they feel like that stigma of it's underground, it's not traceable, the banks don't have it. I think a lot of people think they're smart when they're stealing and scamming on the crypto side, but I don't think they understand now just because you're doing that doesn't mean it's undetectable because they're finding you and they're bringing you out for it. So I think it's just a lot of it's got to be the education just because you're in crypto doesn't mean you're going to be able to get with, you may get away with ripping off billions of dollars. People do it in every area of the world. <laughs> yeah. But I think people think that, oh, it's underground. It's not traceable. It's safe. Nobody can find it. 
but there's always a trail, especially when you're ripping people off and doing scams. The funny thing, Sarah, is that the whole point of a blockchain is it's a global decentralized ledger that anyone can download. Like that's the whole point. It's actually max transparency. Can you see Chase, JP Morgan Chase's internal bank ledger? Can you see Wells Fargo's internal bank ledger? Can you see uh, Citibank's internal bank ledger? Uh-huh. No, but you can see the Bitcoin blockchain internal bank ledger. You can download the entire thing from the very first transaction to this one. And every 10 minutes, it keeps it up to date. So it's hysterical it that people, people think, think that they can you know, do this stuff. Right? Yeah. It's like, you're not as smart as you think. It's because you know technology a little bit. They're trying to outsmart the system, but there is that transparency. So I'm cracking up when I see these headliners, you know, Indicted a $180 million scam. Some woman took $280 billion. FBI most wanted. Come on, people. It's like, that's what cracks me up. Like you said, they're going to find you. So I think all this stuff is going on. I think because certain cases are very public through the press. So people get that fear based on what they're reading in the media as well. And so, but they're not really understanding the digital currency. They're not understanding Bitcoin, crypto, and all what they need to know to do it. So I think you're right. I think that rate of adoption to increase the users on Bitcoin is it's education. It's eventually being educated, making sure you're smart, making decisions. And I think once we kind of educate more in the public, that barrier to entry will get less and less about more people out there using digital currency. So you mentioned, you know, all these actors getting fined and the the system coming down on them. You know, if you just look up bank fines, and then switch to the news tab on Google. You'll see in the last two weeks, Robinhood crypto fined $30 million. U.S. Bank fined $37 million. Binance fined $3.4 million. Bank of America fined $225 million. So crypto exchanges, American banks alike, you know, they're all breaking some law somewhere. You know, I heard about Binance. Hold on, you put Binance, because I got to notice that but when I first started my crypto wallet like a year, year and a half ago, got into it. I got to note like that Binance, you can no longer buy and trade Binance from the U.S. market or it was the other way around. You know what I'm talking about? There's something that... Yeah, no. Yeah. So pretty much if you're an American, we have the SEC, which is the strongest security legal enforcement agency in the world. Binance and these altcoin exchanges effectively list any hot token out there, many of which are legal securities. So therefore, unless they register with the SEC, they can't offer those services to Americans. So well, I know companies, and I'm not going to mention names, but I had a previous client. They were like, hey, can you guys take your, because we're PR firm, can you take your retainer in coin? I'm like, hell no, because your coin isn't worth shit to us. So we could be end up paying out to our staff money and we're just mm. for free because the coin's not worth anything. Yeah, this is Your a coin, coin that they printed, right? Yeah. So they made. Like, they print- why would I take coin as my retainer at this stage? No, we're, we're it's a business, so no, we're not going to at this stage. And we've been asked that a lot, and we're like, no, we won't, because if you're going to say, hey, we're going to pay you in Bitcoin, okay, let's negotiate. But they're they're all coins, and the coins they're making that aren't worth anything. These companies are having so many problems, but they're all saying, well. We can't put our name out in the press. We can't be public. You want us to be the masked singer of the, because they want to stay off the SEC's radar. So they won't even like everything's offshore. Everything's they're all hiding it because they feel like they don't want to pay the taxes. But as soon as you come out, and become a legit company, you're going to have to like take the mask off 
and pay it. But I know so many people talking about, oh yeah, they're doing their own coins, their own metaverse, their own NFTs, and they're keeping all of it offshore. And I'm like, and I'm kind of on the fence because I'm not an attorney like you. Like from a PR standpoint, there's only so far you could go when you're hiding versus just come out, own it, go by the law, do it the right way and grow. So I'm always on the fence. Well, here's the, here's the interesting thing is, is it's all about incentives. So when you're making money by making your own money and you're not allowed to serve Americans without getting prosecuted, well, guess what? It earns you more money to not serve Americans because you don't make your money from serving a customer. So you can ignore the biggest market and then you can just make your own money, right? That's the grift. Like, have you heard of a token called Cardano? Like that's okay. pretty much their game plan. I so have, like, it's like I one of the Cardano. biggest, most popular currencies out there. Oh my that's God. Their okay. Grit. So, 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 okay, so don't so take it. It's really sad. You're going but, to I mean, that, that's, that's, what it, that's the whole thing. CK, so I have Cardano and Solano as part of my mix. For me, I think everything is noise except for Bitcoin. Like, is Cardano going to go back up? Like, maybe. Like, yeah. hey, I'm not telling you how to invest your money. But I, I do think it's noise. And like the problem here is that like we're dealing with creating money. Like yeah. this is like ethics is so important when it comes to creating money. Like why is the dollar better than the peso? It's trust. And then that trust over time builds a network. And then that creates, you know, th- this thing that people Supply find demand, useful yeah. as money. So if you can't trust the currency, if there's not enough time for people to build up demand for it, then it's going to be a weak money. And that's what most people are dealing with throughout the globe. Most people across the globe, I think it's a fact to say that the majority of Earth's population is living under really bad government currency. You know, it's it's as much of a scam as Cardano or anything else. So I can't um, believe you, know, you said Cardano scam. So I, I, I know the story behind scale and stuff. So and I and okay, so this isn't a conversation because we're not bankers and we're not lawyers. But I was at a point to where cut all the coins and just dump the rest of my wallet into Bitcoin. Because that, that, there was a sense of, for me personally, doesn't mean anybody else has the same opinion. I personally would rather have Bitcoin than all these other guys out there right now. Again, I would say Bitcoin crashes when it goes up too much. And then everything else really follows what Bitcoin does. Most yeah. of them are less liquid than Bitcoin. So they more violently go back up. Yeah. Right. So it's a roller coaster. A lot of people are able to trade that successfully, but I truly believe like Bitcoin is the equivalent to TCP IP. Right. So that's like what makes the internet work. And you mentioned dial up not too long ago. Dial up was how everyone got in the internet. It was slow. You couldn't download a video. You couldn't even put a picture in a email, right? But now we're having a recorded real-time video conversation over that same protocol. So like, what's the future that Bitcoin's going to unlock, right? When we have this trustless value layer and then all the companies built on top of it. And you can't do that if you make a new value token and a new thing. And that's what these all these altcoins are. So that's what the crypto is about. And again, when you come down to it, understanding what crypto is all about, it's about printing your own money. So of course, if you are printing your own money and selling those tokens, you don't really care about, you know, the customer, you don't care about creating value. It's like, when's the last, what's the last thing that any of these other altcoin things have shipped other than their token itself and, well, it's like, and it's press like releases. A startup. It's like it's like startups. When you get too much, you start diluting your equity, then it's just not worth anything because there's too much going out on equity. Well, it's crazier than startups. It's like, imagine if Facebook could 
like sell their stock before they even had a business. Yeah, but the value is getting diluted because of all of these altcoins, which is sure. Like, yeah, that's that's what, so it's like you know where we talk about our clients and the VCs and investors. You know, you're just getting too diluted. It's just people are diluting their own industry, their own currency. It's or, like the long tail, right? It's yeah. like no one cares about the long tail of anything. They just care about you know the. Immediate the gratification. Tail, right? They want immediate <laughs> gratification. And I think a lot of people thought Bitcoin, crypto, look at the whole NFT market. It was like a land grab for trying to make a quick buck because we went through COVID. Things sucked. We could, you know, Russia and Ukraine war. People mm-hmm. think it's a quick land grab put in this. It's easy breezy and I just make tons of money, not pay taxes on it. So it's just like, Ooh, that's people, scary. <laughs> people just diluted their own industry. But here, here's what, and I so love this conversation with you because you're so real on really what the truth behind fintech and crypto and Bitcoin is. What I love, and we've talked about this, is when some of these countries that are impoverished and people don't have access to banks or fiat or credit cards, and they're barely making, especially with COVID right behind us, they're now using Bitcoin as their sole means of currency. I mean, they are purists. They are opening companies, buying and selling materials, goods, and Bitcoin is what the only way that they're surviving. These circular economies that are being built are being built off of Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, it's really clear to see that, you know, the global south and the areas that really are struggling in the fiat system, the fiat system has betrayed them. We're seeing Bitcoin starting to make an impact. Obviously, El Salvador is huge in that announcement being at Bitcoin 21, which is our conference, you know, back in Miami. That was an amazing moment in Bitcoin. And and then we're seeing, you know, kind of Bitcoin adoption kind of from a government perspective with El Salvador. And then you go over to Kenya and Nigeria, and we're seeing Bitcoin adoption there that's not sanctioned by the government. And actually, the government is going after it and trying to make it illegal, trying to make it so that way they're they're crappy banks. I don't know, you know, much about African banks, but they're really terrible, terrible banks that, you know, people are very, very unbanked because of how bad their banks are. But they're making it so crypto can't and Bitcoin can't interact with their banks. And guess what? (laughs) Bitcoin's winning. And there's really like you got to look these up, but there's incredible clips of I believe it's the Kenyan. It's from the Kenyan Senate. But one of these Kenyan senator is is getting up on on stage, speaking in English, talking about how Bitcoin has made their currency a joke. Like he he said that exact word and there are sanctions and the rules. People are just ignoring them completely. And like it's just really incredible to see where Visa would never go. You know, Visa was, is just ignoring these markets. No one is giving them fintech. And here's Bitcoin solving their problems, giving them property that they can control, money that they can use, digital currency that they can transfer across the globe. You know, there's there's these beautiful case studies of Africans using Bitcoin to buy used cars from Japan, right? And that transaction literally can't happen in fiat. Like it's impossible. Like they would have to like buy gift cards, mail them to the, to Japan and then have them ship the the cars back like that market was not possible until Bitcoin happened. So I think that this is going to keep accelerating. And here's the thing. It's like the first country is the hardest, right? But the next one will be easier and the next one will be easier. And, you know, I don't know how much you pay attention to global politics and things like that. But the dollar system, this global reserve currency that everyone bought oil in and that everyone was respecting is less respected today. Russia cares about it less. 
you know, where the BRIC nations are emerging, Brazil, China, Russia, India, you know, these, these kind of like, let's call it upcoming Eastern powers that have a lot of resources, they're trying to figure it out outside of the dollar system. And, you know, here's Bitcoin. Well, it's just kind of like survival of the fittest. This is what I love about Motive, who we spoke about earlier. You know, they're not just in a little town. They have 16 or a little over 16 circular economies, sustainable ones, active ones in Peru. It's the only country on that side that has so many circular economies. And we were just in Peru and it was outstanding to see. And we spoke with the people down there where they were during COVID before they adopted to Bitcoin was educated and where they were before. And now that they're completely on Bitcoin versus fiat in these villages, there's like no ATM or banks around for like three or four hours from them. And we were down there and it was so humbling and such an amazing to talk to these business owners, these people, these villages about how they're completely sustainable, putting food on the table, clothes on their backs, kids in school, only because they had Bitcoin. That that was the reason why they are surviving down there. And I love that Peru is a good example of a country that has circular economies that are fully functionable and they're all Bitcoin. And being in PR, we see a lot of media. I mean, Bitcoin Magazine, we all know, we all read global news. But when you're physically down there and you see it and hear it, and video of it, it, it is such an outstanding, good feeling that people are using Bitcoin for good. People have got to understand with all the bullshit and through all the fray, there are countries and communities that are surviving because they have Bitcoin as a form of currency that you would know. Absolutely. 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 And I, I think that it's so important to see it in the flesh because it's easy to be, you know, a privileged American, you know, with our access to Chase and Cash App and Strike and Venmo and all this stuff and not appreciate how important money is. Like, it doesn't money motivate literally everything we do. Like, Sarah, I'm enjoying this conversation, but there's a reason why we're both connected and it has to do with how we make money, right? (laughs) So, like, there's no question about that. Like, you... You run a PR company. I run a media company. This is how we're making value in the world. This is how we're making money. And this is why we're on this conversation together. It's a great conversation, but it's the reason the world goes around. So if you have money that does not work, it actually cripples what you're able to do. And that compounds. And what Bitcoin offers is a open source, completely permissionless, completely open, completely hate-free, judgment-free carefree, prejudice-free way for everyone on the planet to get better money than the best money that's ever existed before. Like, this is an incredible revolution. But it also gives us a humanitarian effort. We we saw down at these villages and we went to a few of the um, villages that Motive has, circular economies, and they have a chance to thrive and survive a sustainable means to live their lives, to have their freedom to be educated and to actually not be living in the dirt scrambling for a quarter to buy milk or diapers for their kids because of Bitcoin. So it's, 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 it is such a beautiful thing to actually in person see the power of Bitcoin and how people are surviving using it. And these are people, and you're right, we, we are kind of like asshole Americans who take so much we have for granted when these are people that are the most humble, nicest people and they have nothing. And they're so nice because it's all about survival to them and they're using Bitcoin. I mean, then we are like, okay, look at everything we have here in the US. We have to stand back and realize how these people are living and how critical 
and how appreciative Bitcoin is because they're surviving opening bakeries, you know, juice stands, surviving, keeping their kids out of jail and off the streets because they now have a currency that they could survive off well, of. And this is what I love about it. I don't mean, and I, I completely agree with the sentiment. I don't mean to interrupt, but like, I think what people don't really put two and two together on with Bitcoin is that like effectively like Bitcoin is hope for people who have been in destitution, right? Yeah. What you're articulating, like in Michael Saylor, this, I guess now former CEO of MicroStrategy, he just stepped down, the, you know, moments before we got on this call, which is huge news. You know, he said, Bitcoin is hope for people living in destitution. And the way I like to frame it is like, okay, on our current financial system, we are able to unlock, you know, let's just call it 10% of the world's population and really allow them to get to full actualization, right? So get, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, your your past food, your past shelter, your past these basics, and you can actually strive for actualization. Like you can reach your dreams, you can accomplish something, you can do something great, right? You know, what percentage of the planet can actually get to that, right? You know, less than 10%. The majority of the planet is living in destitution on less than, you know, what's the stat? $2 a day or whatever. So what Bitcoin offers is, is an opportunity for that 90%, that 80% of people like that are crippled by their monetary system, by their lack of, of resources, by lack of infrastructure to come online, to get plugged in, to get closer to self-actualization. Like what are the positive impacts for humanity for Peru to be able to operate and have the same sort of, you know, technological abilities and monetary abilities that the United States has. Like what if every country was on that level, right? You know, I think again, that's that is the future that that Bitcoin offers is is like this fair monetary system for everyone. So it's amazing that motive enables, right, these Peruvian poor who've had, you know, less than, you know, their fair share and have had very little opportunity to now access a monetary system that's Bitcoin. When we've done a lot of this stuff in the mobile space, people will wait in line for hours. They won't pay the electricity bills, mortgage. They don't care to live in a grass hut. They will always pay to keep that cell phone because that is their means of survival in these countries for safety, for food, for everything. And what was amazing is when we see like one of these people down in one of these motive villages, the life-saving steps and programs, it's not just about even like you said, the chance to survive, be better, have a life. It's educating them and understanding they could have a life. They could be empowered to make decisions and understand if I want to go, I have a farm. And one of the people we saw had a farm. It was really bad shape because she did Bitcoin. She could buy and she grew her farm to be the only, the largest farm that fed the whole village of selling all of her stuff only because she had Bitcoin. To help it, grow. I mean, and, she, had, she had access to money that worked. Yeah. That, like Bitcoin's money that works for everyone. Exactly. Like that's the whole point. But, but think about it. People who make money have more and more confidence. They're inspired to go do better things, start their companies, you know, be educated. Take more risk. Exactly. But you're seeing people in these impoverished in communities that are just, it's like you said, they're just such a bad situation, but they now have hope that there is a future because they're, they're understanding they have a means to live and survive, I want to say on their own terms, but they do because it's no longer contingent upon decentralized banking, not having to have credit cards, ATM machines. They have their cell phone. And think how many people, especially little kids, are more savvy on their cell phones than adults these days. They're growing up in this society, especially like in Peru and these areas where they're growing up on the cell phones, 
knowing the value of Bitcoin, knowing where their future is. And to me, that's just, it was like the most humble, heartwarming experience to actually physically be in a village seeing all of this. And there was I no mean, other option. I mean, it, it sounds in, incredible. And, and like I'm saying is like, Bitcoin is, is the best money the world's ever seen for every single person in the world. Like every fintech company that we consider to be great has accomplished less than that. Yeah. Every bank that we consider to be great has accomplished less than that, right? Like Bitcoin is not even close to that beat, but it has a chance. Like it, it's in the right place. Everything is lined up. So my bet's on Bitcoin. And, and honestly, like people think Bitcoin's malicious. Bitcoin's for evil people. Bad people use Bitcoin. There's all this fraud around Bitcoin, but it, it couldn't be further than the truth. Like if anything... Yeah. Like, it's saving lives. It's saving lives. Yeah, it is. And, you know, th- this could be a coincidence, but I think that it's it's more than a coincidence because there's there's just too many coincidences in Bitcoin. But the first country that adopted Bitcoin and the first country in the global south, it was a country in the global south. It was El Salvador. Yeah. Well, when you translate El Salvador into English, the little translation is the savior. Like, I don't think that, you know, maybe that's a sign. I don't know. But I really uh, I do think that there's something special happening here. And in hindsight, we're going to look back and we're like, wow, like, I can't believe how many people dismissed this thing. I can't believe, you know, how much fraud, you know, was circulating in mainstream all around this Bitcoin revolution, all this noise around this Bitcoin revolution when it was right in front of us the whole time. I really do think we're going to look back at it like that. I want to see, like, I'm excited to see more countries like, like Peru, Motive there, you know, Argentina, Guatemala. I'm just excited to start seeing these countries that need that, that, that sense of future, you know, to say the lives adapt to it more. But let me, let me pivot because I know we're running out of time now. I so love chatting with you about all of this. CK, you know, Bitcoin Magazine, I know you guys have a big event in October over in Amsterdam. And I know you guys have your big Bitcoin one here in Miami in spring. Are you seeing a shift at all, like the US market compared to some of these global markets? Like who's kind of winning or who's ahead in the, adoption of the Bitcoin race right now. Are you seeing that? Well, I mean, there's really interesting stats, like which countries per capita have adopted Bitcoin the most. And it's like the the top two or three are there are countries that are in desperate need for money and financial resources and utility. And then it's followed by like the United States, Russia, India, something like that. So I don't have all those stats off the top of my head. But I would say like the Bitcoin industry in the U.S. is very strong. You know, there's a lot of aspects about like American culture that I think make us give us a good advantages for Bitcoin. Like one, we're entrepreneurial. Two, we're freedom minded. Three, we have a very technologically driven and coherent society. You know, all of our you know, best products in the last, you know, 20 years for the most part have been technology products. So I'm not surprised that we're catching on to this Bitcoin technology product. So uh, the Bitcoin conference in uh, Miami Beach is the biggest in the world. We've already sold thousands of tickets for that. And we're like 290 days away from that event. And we've sold millions in sponsorships already and some with like huge mainstream oil companies and, and infrastructure companies. And again, we're very far away from that event. So it's amazing to see how mainstream that is. On the European side, we think it's really important to be advocating for Bitcoin in Europe because we think one, Bitcoin is important for Europe, but two, Europe is in trouble. The euro is trading under the dollar. We're seeing a lot of restrictions on Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. We're seeing a lot of capital controls in Europe. We're seeing freedom 
and regulatory attacks on mining and travel really root themselves. So for Bitcoin Magazine, it's important for us to try to rally Bitcoiners in Europe to advocate for why Bitcoin is important, advocate for why European governments should respect their people's freedoms and sovereignty, and you know give them the ability to access this world-changing technology just like everywhere else. You know, the only people that lose from Europeans being barred from Bitcoin is Europeans, right? Like if any country was barring internet adoption, they lost, right? If any country was barring, you know, railroad adoption or automobile adoption or automation, you know, in in any sector, they lost. So that is currently the path of Europe. So, you know, I think it's really important that those who want to see Europe be successful, those who want to see Europeans having access to Bitcoin, that we show up and we talk about why Bitcoin is important and why Bitcoin is good for Europeans. Because it, it, right now, uh, you know, they're, they're going down the wrong way. And, you know, we're talking about grifters printing digital tokens. CBDCs, central bank digital currencies, are the ultimate grift, y'all. Sarah, that's the ultimate grift. So they're going to say, we're going to make a currency. It's backed by our guns. It's better for you, but we can freeze it whenever we want and we can monitor you as much as we want. Well, guess what? That's the whole point of Bitcoin existing is to stop you from being able to do that, is to give citizens the power back. So the EU is one of the places that's pushing forward this CBDC concept the hardest. So again, I think we need to show up and Bitcoin Amsterdam there's a lot of reasons to be in Amsterdam. Amsterdam is one of the coolest cities on the planet. The Dutch people are early and big into Bitcoin. There's an amazing community there. Uh, so we're really excited to be there October 12th through the 14th. I'm going to be there the whole week. Yeah, we're going to be celebrating Bitcoin. We're going to be talking about the great innovators in Bitcoin in Europe. And we're going to be trying to bring together Bitcoiners in Europe to really make a stand. Just show the European world that this tech is real, that Europeans are into it. And that, you know, maybe you should think about cracking down too hard. Think twice about that. Maybe just look into this before you do. Let me ask you a question, because I know we got to wrap up here. What, like industry-wise, where is a breakdown of industries coming and attending to the Bitcoin Magazine conferences? Yeah, I mean, one, there's a lot of enthusiasts that come. And so, you know, you see, I think enthusiasts tend to be highly educated, technical, and financially driven. And then you see the Bitcoin industry specifically that is showing up in droves. And then you see the finance industry. And now because of mining, the energy industry really showing up. You also see a lot of representation from governments and intelligence agencies. And you're seeing a lot of you know fintech showing up at Bitcoin uh, 2022, MasterCard, Visa, Robinhood, PayPal. All sponsors, all participants, all well, high executives. Are you, are you seeing so, like, like, are you seeing like, like more people? Because we're looking at fashion, retail, using crypto and Bitcoin. Gucci, LV have done a tremendous job. Mm-hmm. Are you like, are you starting to open up more doors for like the automotive, the travel, retail? Are there any specific industries that you're seeing that's starting to like come? You know, it's really interesting to see. You know, Bitcoin is being adopted in high value transfer. So uh, we're seeing it, you know, replace escrow for homes. We're seeing it, you know, being used for art auctions and things like that. We're seeing it being used for fundraising, right? So the Canadian truckers, the Ukrainian government, you know, guess what? Funds got to the Ukrainian government the day they posted the address. Relief funds from other aid, other government aid took days, weeks, months to get there. So some of the most 
liquid, easiest to transfer mechanisms happen to be with Bitcoin and crypto. But I think, again, the the key here is that what industry doesn't have a website? What industry doesn't have a bank account? What industry doesn't turn on the lights in their building? 100% of these industries will be using Bitcoin. They will all be using Bitcoin to store their value. They'll be using Bitcoin for international cross-border business. They're potentially going to be hosting Bitcoin mining machines in their building infrastructure in order to manage their energy grid. So that way they, it can keep their energy consumption night and day consistent, which allows them to negotiate better energy contracts. Like there's all of these layers in which like every single company, every single aspect of our lives are going to get integrated with Bitcoin. It's well, like what, it's what country, company or person doesn't have an email address today? Yeah, it's the thing is, <laughs> you know, it's like to become a truly universal currency across the board without all the I mean the internet is universal right like web pages are universal email addresses are universal you know the web sockets that we use are universal like you can take your phone to China and connect to their wi-fi it's all universal it all comes down to one it's all interoperable okay what's missing here is the money token and that's what bitcoin is I have so many questions for you like from like not just all of this but then moving into the whole you know, cashing in on and like the currency exchange rates, but we are out of time. I need you to come back for our Bitcoin 2.0 conversation. All right, Sarah, There's I'll so take much. an interview anytime. anytime. <laughs> I just knew like we're running out of time and we've, you've got to get running like for everybody, Bitcoin, Matt. So what was the URL? Anything on Bitcoin magazine to subscribe information on the shows? Where do we send them all to? Okay, so we got a lot of stuff. So bitcoinmagazine.com is the best place to go. That is the homepage of Bitcoin that is covering every bit of news in Bitcoin. The best thoughts, opinions, features, experts, everyone that is important in Bitcoin is part of this website. I've been putting in a lot of work to make that happen. If you want to subscribe, you can subscribe to our pro email list. So Bitcoin Magazine Pro, amazing kind of analysis of macro of crypto, of Bitcoin price, what is happening there. So that's bitcoinmagazinepro.com. And then we also have our subscription to our print magazine. This is a collector's item. We have limited print runs. We have quarterly subscription and it is a piece of Bitcoin history. And she is thick. I'm like, this thing is no joke. High, high quality, high, high quality magazine. Also available at Barnes and Nobles and Indigo, which is like a Barnes and Nobles in Canada. So yeah, I mean, bitcoinmagazinepro.com, bitcoinmagazine.com, store.bitcoinmagazine.com to get the subscription. I am on Twitter at CK underscore snarks. And yeah, hey, go to Bitcoin Amsterdam. You can find that at b.tc forward slash conference. So that's all my show, Sarah. I'm happy to come on and talk about Bitcoin anytime. Happy to get a little bit more granular too. I know it was a pretty wide ranging conversation, but thank you so much for having me. It was a good start. We're going to start drilling down with you on another one. But I mean, it was so good, CK, to have you on. It was such an educational and great podcast. Definitely looking forward to having you back on again. Good luck with the Amsterdam show. I know we'll be talking in between and throughout all of this. But until we talk to you again, this is Sarah Miller with Media Mavis Podcast. Here with CK at Bitcoin Magazine. And I'll talk to everybody again soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Media Mavens podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or want to download past episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Media Mavens podcast on your favorite podcast provider. To learn more about the podcast or our guests, please visit mediamavenspodcast.com. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.